Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website. Give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. And our guests today are Mark Shulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. We're talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. He'll be joining us, as well as Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, and also the author of several novels after he retired. His latest is No Problem. It is April the 24th, and on this day in 1980, an ill-fated military operation to rescue 52 American hostages held in Tehran ended with eight U.S. servicemen dead and no hostages rescued. With the Iran hostage crisis stretching into the sixth month and all diplomatic appeals to the Iranian government ending in failure, President Jimmy Carter ordered the military mission as a last-ditch effort and attempt to save the hostages. During the operation, three of the eight helicopters failed, crippling the crucial airborne plans. The mission then was canceled at the staging area in Iran, but during the withdrawal, one of the retreating helicopters collided with one of the six C-130 transport planes, killing eight service members and injuring five. The next day, a somber Jimmy Carter gave a press conference in which he took full responsibility for the tragedy. The hostages were not released for another 270 days. On November the 4th, 1979, the crisis began when militant Iranian students outraged that the United States government had allowed the ousted Shah of Iran to travel to the United States for medical treatment, seized uh, the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. Ayatollah Khomeini, Iran's political and religious leader, took over the hostage situation and agreed to release non-U.S. captives and female minority Americans, citing these groups were among the people oppressed by the United States government. The remaining 52 captives remained at the mercy of the Ayatollah for the next 14 months. President Carter was unable to diplomatically resolve the crisis, and the April 30, 1980 hostage attempt ended in a complete disaster. Three months later, the former Shah died of cancer in Egypt, but the crisis continued. In November, Carter lost the presidential election to the Republican Ronald Reagan, and soon after, with the assistance of Algerian intermediaries, successful negotiations began between the United States and Iran. On the day of Reagan's inauguration, January the 20th, 1981, the United States freed almost $8 billion in frozen Iranian assets, and the 52 hostages were released after 44, 444 days. The next day, Jimmy Carter flew to West Germany to greet the Americans on their way home. The hostage crisis should have never happened. <clears throat> By the way, uh, President Trump and Congressman Byron Donalds, our own Byron Donalds, our uh, U.S. representative, made surprise appearance to Fort Myers Pizza Shop as supporters cheered. Uh, Trump always uh, has been known for his outgoing personality and willingness to engage with the supporters. This pizza stop was just one more example of how he continued to do so. By taking the time to stop and chat with the supporters, Trump shows that his values, uh, their support, and appreciates their enthusiasm. He certainly, certainly demonstrated pizza for everybody. <laughs> and by the way, I so noted that Byron Donald was in his company, along with his little son. Uh, it was a really pretty cute, but... Uh, uh, makes you wonder how Byron uh, Donalds fits into the President Trump's plans when he's reelected. Governor Ron DeSantis announced that he'll lead on an international trade mission organized in conjunction with the Enterprise Florida to Japan, South Korea, Israel, and the United Kingdom. The mission will build on economic relationships Florida has with each country, and the governor will meet with business executives and government leaders to discuss ways in which Florida can expand economic partnerships. The governor will be uh, joined by First Lady DeSantis and, of course, uh, Florida uh, Secretary of State Coyd Cord Bird and Florida Secretary of Commerce Laura DeBella. 
Florida has the 15th largest economy in the world. Did you know that? 15th largest. And it's because our state has worked to create partnerships with other countries to create jobs and boost opportunity, said the governor. The trade mission will give us an opportunity to strengthen economic relationships and continue to demonstrate Florida's position as an economic leader. And some are saying, well, this is just to boost his candidacy as the president and so forth. Look, this is an important mission. They have billions of dollars of relationships, trade relationships with these countries, and it could do nothing but make, and, uh, to build the relationships would be to expand uh, those relationships financially will really help Florida. The GOP-led House passed a bill on Thursday to prevent biological males from competing in girls and women's sports in public schools. The bill, formerly titled the Protection of Women and Girls Sports in Sports Act, passed 219 to 203 votes along party lines. Not one Democrat voted for the bill, if you're going to believe that. What are they thinking? This is a great day for America and a great day for girls and women and for fairness in sports, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said. House Minority, uh, Majority Leader Steve Scalise said the vote should have been unanimous, arguing that allowing biological men who have identified as transgender to play in women's sports is unfair to female athletes. Men shouldn't be able to compete in women's sports, he said. We need to inject, re-inject common sense back into the debate. House Republican Whit with Tom Emmer, explain why the legislation was introduced and passed. The left lunacy is robbing women and girls of equal opportunities in the name of inclusion. That's why House Republicans today passed the bill to protect the safety and fairness that we should all have in women's sports and to make sure that no female athlete is ever forced to compete or be in the same locker room with a biological male, he said. A senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation, Sarah Parshall, said it's unbelievable that a law like this needs to be passed, and she's right. We're finding conservatives are the ones who are arguing for biological reality and celebration of Title IX, which was passed to ensure that girls and women have equal educational opportunity. Marshall said that on Thursday edition of the Just the News, No Noise TV show, I can't believe that we have to have a pass a law like this, she continued, but unfortunately we see a lot of progressive ideology coming out of the Department of Education. And I might say, out of the mouth of the president, uh, Joe Biden. Well, the United States has paid people who were injured by COVID-19 vaccines for the first time. That may give you a little lift in your heart, except three people received compensation for their injuries through the Countermeasures, Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, the CIPCP, run by the agency with the Department of Health and Human Services. One person who suffered a severe allergic uh, shock received drumroll, $2,019. Another person suffered heart inflammation or myocarditis, received $1,582. And another who suffered myocarditis received $1,032. Can you believe that? It's just unbelievable. These are the awards that people get for being injured. And there's so many more uh, <clears throat> who have been injured as a result of the vaccines. The Supreme Court is deliberating a case uh, that uh, could address operations by local governments that confiscate land and practice uh, called home equity theft. Now, this is unbelievable. Hopefully, the Supreme Court will make the right decision on this one. The method of seizing the total value of land rather than just the amount of the government is owed is currently legal in 12 states and Washington, D.C., but the practice might be coming to an end soon. On Wednesday, the court heard oral arguments in Tyler v. Hennepin County, a case involving 94-year-old Geraldine Tyler and her battle with Minneapolis. Now listen to this. Thailand had fallen behind on her property taxes after moving into a senior residence home in 2010, resulting in her owing Hennepin County roughly $2,300. However, the number ballooned to 15000 after tacking on late fees. Hennepin County, to collect what it was owed, seized and later sold the one-bedroom condo for $40,000. Rather than settling the $15,000 debt and returning the $25,000 Tyler, the county took all $40,000 and flipped the one-bedroom condo for the same amount. It left the woman with no profit from her former asset. Isn't that unbelievable? State and local governments seizing at least 
8,950 homes between 2014 and 21, more than $860 million in life savings, a recent study by the Pacific Legal Foundation revealed. Uh, The victims are often uh, among society's most vulnerable. They lost jobs, suffered medical difficulties, or, like Geraldine Tyler, are seniors on a fixed income, the group argued. The uh, general also noted that in Massachusetts alone, University of Massachusetts law professor Ralph Clifford's research indicated that a state took $56 million worth of equity between August 2013 and 14. Given the support from dozens of groups across the political spectrum, uh, the ground is shifting and home equity theft will soon be a thing of the past. Let's certainly hope so. Uh, I just agree. I can't even believe that this is happening in the United States. Where's the fairness and where's the the, the, uh, justice? Makes no sense. Well, (laughs) this is uh, such an interesting story. We're a big port for cruises here in the state of Florida, and a woman and her family had filed a lawsuit against Celebrity Cruises, claiming the cruise line improperly stored her husband's body in the ship's cooler as opposed to the morgue after he died on board. According to the complaint, Robert L. Jones died due to a cardiac event while on Celebrity Equinox cruise ship in August 2022, traveling from Fort Lauderdale to ports in Eastern Caribbean. The lawsuit states that after Jones' death, his wife, Marilyn Jones, was told that she had two options for what she could be done with her husband's body. According to the lawsuit, those options were to either have Mr. Jones' body removed from the ship in San Juan, Puerto Rico, or have his body stored in the ship until it reached the uh, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Florida port six days later. Uh, Jones' body stayed on board of the ship for approximately six days, and when the funeral service employee in Fort Lauderdale was brought onto the ship to retrieve Mr. Jones' body, his body was not located in the ship's morgue. Now think about that. These cruise ships having morgues. You can imagine a lot of elderly people are on cruise ships, and it might be their last voyage. They end up dying on the cruise. And uh, so most ships have, I would imagine all ships have some sort of a, a morgue. Instead, Mr. Jones' body had at some time yet not yet known had been moved from the ship's morgue to a cooler on a different floor than the ship's morgue. The cooler in which Mr. Jones' body was found by the funeral employee had drinks placed outside of the cooler and was not in a temperature where that was sufficient nor proper for the storage of the body. The lawsuit also said the body was found in a bag on a pallet in the floor of the cooler, and it was in advanced stages of decomposition. She's suing for a million dollars in compensatory damages and demanded a trial jury in order to settle the case. Isn't that unbelievable? I guess the cooler in the morgue just wasn't working. The story goes on, but I'm not going to go through the gross parts of this whole thing. This segment of the show brought to you about uh, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Mark Schulman, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harden show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, you should know that most health plans here in the United States, health insurance plans don't cover foreign travel. You want to make sure you're covered and you can get covered for as little as $1.25 a day. Visit the web- website, internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It makes history so much fun. And it's good for kids of all ages, including you and I. Check it out. It's HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. So uh, uh, coming up, I think, in a couple of days in Israel. And by the way, for our listeners' benefit, you are in Tel Aviv right now. Uh, you're going to be, uh, well, observing. Tonight, gonna... it, begins, it actually begins tonight as a Memorial Day in Israel. Oh. Uh, and Memorial Day in Israel is... Very different than Memorial Day weekend or Veterans Day in the United States. Uh, the evening before everything closes, there are no stores open, there are no restaurants open, you can't get delivery. It's completely, everything is shut down. Hmm. At 8 o'clock in the evening, there's a siren goes off, a moment of silence throughout the country. And in the course of the evening, there are various memorial services that take place. In Tel Aviv, there's a, it's been for years, a... I call it a sing-a-thon, but it's not really. It's basically songs in memory of soldiers and in be- who have died, and in between they tell the story of a particular soldier who died in one of one of Israel's many wars over the years. And then tomorrow um, is sort of a day of work, but not really. At um, 11 o'clock, uh, once again, there's a siren for two minutes. The whole country stops. There are memorial services in all of the military um military cemeteries throughout the country. Um, in the morning, usually, current soldiers all go visit their previous high schools and join in the memorial services that take place in their high schools. Oh. And so it's um, it's a solemn, very significant event, and that is followed in the evening. Um, it becomes Israel's Independence Day, so it's a very jarring experience in the sense that Israel goes from absolute mourning the celebration of independence, and this year it's the 75th anniversary of the founding of the state. So, theoretically, a significant year, but it's of course been this year that's been uh, marred by all of the demonstrations and attempted at judicial changes, etc. But um, right. these two days are very significant on the Israeli calendar, and they have a and they've done well. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I certainly admire how uh, citizens in Israel observe uh, Memorial Day, and, and uh, you know, certainly they're really observing the sacrifices that the military and, the, and people have made for their own lives in terms of preserving the freedom in, in Israel. How much of this do you think has to do with all, with everyone serving in the military? It has a large degree. I mean, don't forget, not everybody, the ultra-Orthodox and the Arabs don't, but all of the rest of the country does. That has a major impact. I mean, I think it's I understand why the United States stopped the draft, obviously, but it has its negatives, obviously, and there's not a universal sense of we all, we're all participating, we're all part of it. Yeah. I also think, that, you know, the over-commercialization of American culture, right? I mean, we've managed to turn Memorial Day weekend into a shopping weekend, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's something 
you know, something wrong. Let's put it that way. Yeah. There's something wrong with that. And um, America, look, America hasn't, hasn't had the sort of losses percentage-wise as Israel's had over the years. I mean, not since certainly, certainly the Civil War, maybe to some extent World War II, but since then Vietnam, Afghanistan, Korea, maybe a little bit more, but by and large, it didn't touch that many families. Mm-hmm. And in particular, military communities, absolutely it did, obviously, but across the broad spectrum of the United States, it didn't have the same impact. Here in Israel, there's, there's almost nobody who didn't lose either a... Um, a direct relative or a friend um, in one of the wars, yeah. certainly up until about 20 years ago. Now, it's, relatively speaking, these last years have been peaceful, would be too strong a word to use, but not to the extent that the earlier wars and even the earlier terrorism was much worse than it's been in the last 15 years or so. Yeah. Well, and of course, uh, the assault continues on Israel from many fronts. And I would imagine that just everybody, because they asserted the uh, in uh, the military has a real granular sense about what it's all about for the sacrifices that have made by others uh, in in their history so right look i mean you know the the studies that have been done about war and why people fight almost every study comes down to you're fighting for your fellow soldier Mm -hmm. and that's what you're doing if i mean you're obviously fighting for your country for this never everything's said and done when when the gun starts firing you're firing to save your fellow soldier more than anything else and um, there's that tightness, that, you know, and also keep in mind the fact that most Israelis um, do reserve duty at, until the age of 40. Wow. Um, it used to be much lo- longer. Used to do, they used to do reserve duty until the age of 60. Yeah. Um, but that was cut down over the years as things have changed. Um, so, um, but, you know, even 40, you, you go once a year, maybe twice a year, you get together with the same group of people every single year as you get older, and they become a very tight-knit family when it comes to that. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Yes, and I'll try to silence my dog in the meantime. <laughs> okay. we'll, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policies. They help prepare your elected officials to have winning strategies in state and federal legislatures. You can find out more by visiting thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. 
Always a pleasure, Bob. So, Mark, uh, the big story today is what's happening in Sudan, this escalating uh, problem of almost civil war. Yeah, I would say it is civil war between two generals whose egos are too big. They're not fighting over ideology. They're not fighting over um, anything, you know, tangible like that. Both, each one thinks they should be in charge, and there are soldiers following them. And it's very sad. You know, dozens, maybe even hundreds, are being killed just because of the egos of these two generals. Uh, the U.S. successfully evacuated all of its personnel, um, but still there's the issue of all the civilians that are stuck in Sudan at the moment. About 12,000, um, I think. Right, yeah, something in that number. number. And um, it seems the Russian Wagner group has decided to take sides and is hel- helping one of the two groups. Hmm. Um, so there's some of that involvement as well. Um, so is the Wagner you know, group a pil- uh, paramilitary type of group? Uh, yes, they're a paramilitary group that's tied to into the Russians. They're, they're the ones who've been involved in, um, first of all, they got all the recruits from the, the convicts from the Russian jails to fight in Ukraine. Ah. So that, that that's what they're known for recently, but they also have a more elite groups of uh, mercenaries that work all over the world for payment. Um, but uh, that's where, where this is in terms of that. So... Yes, Sudan had some opportunities to becoming a democracy, and it's gone the other way, I'm afraid, and it's sad. What can I tell you? Yeah, my understanding is that uh, years ago they they were a democracy. They had an elected officials, and uh, the military decided to take over these two generals, and they agreed to do it together. Then they had a falling out, and that's why they're having this uh, disagreement now. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's just, again, it's, it's, it's not over ideology, you know, it's like, if it was over ideology, I could say, uh, not that it's a good thing, but at least you yeah. can understand when something is, uh, is over ideology. Yeah. Um, but this, um, this is hard to understand. So this is, of course, Africa. So ha- does this splash on countries around the, uh, around the continent? Does not really at the moment, at least, because it really is this internal fight. I mean, even though, like I said, the, the Russians are slightly involved. But again, it's it's not over anything that a specific that people are going to take sides on. It's very much a personality-driven issue. Interesting. Well, we're, we're watching to see what happens here. Let's move to what's going on in Ukraine. Okay, so we're not really sure what's going on in Ukraine. There is some rumors to the effect that the Ukrainians have become begun the counteroffensive. Mm-hmm. We don't really know whether it's true or not. Um, obviously, they're not going to announce it. Um, they want to get as much tactical advantage as they can. Sure. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, there's a sense that they'll pick the opportunity to make sure that they're successful. Right. Um, they're still, of course, trying to get as much Western arms in, integrated as quickly as they can. And they've had um, about 40,000 troops have been now trained by either the U.S. or Great Britain in, in Germany primarily, uh, so that they have, you know, they have a new army, basically. Hmm. And they and as opposed to the Russians who just threw people into the, into the combat, they actually took people off combat and tra- and started training them. They were able to do that because they were able to to defend their lines without all of their, their personnel, I guess. So interesting. Uh, there's a, I'll call it a rumor, uh, a story uh, running around uh, that, uh, there's a shortage of ammo of um, uh, on both sides, actually, and in the United States. Right. No, there's no question there's a problem of, of ammo. We've discussed it before. The industrial base <laughs> of the United States has been allowed to uh, deteriorate over all of these years. No one really expected a, a modern war in Europe that would be con- that would um, consume such large amounts of artillery shells and other consumables. Mm-hmm. And we really don't have the capacity to produce the numbers that are necessary. I know um, one of the companies has gotten a grant to increase the size of its production and they're putting on additional shifts, but all these things take time, obviously. Yeah. And it's not World War II where, you know, you can just turn the company, you know, the assembly line that was making Fords uh, to start making bombers, let's put it that way. How about materials? Um, in what sense? Well, in, in terms of the materials to make the uh, ammo. No, that stuff exists. That's not a problem. I mean, it's mostly it's mostly steel. It's uh, mm. explosives. None of these are none of these are the rare um, minerals that, that we all worry about. That's readily available in the United States. We have more than enough materials to to do that. That's not the issue. The issue is literally the the production cap- capacity 
of a manufacturer is yeah. in their ability to increase that capacity because to increase the capacity, you need more machinery. Machinery, of course, is something that takes time to build and create, and you need more personnel, and there's, generally speaking, a labor shortage in the United States. Yeah. So the two things together make it difficult to, um, to increase production rapidly enough, and so there is that shortage. Well, the Russians also have the shortage, so... Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the the other concern, of course, is uh, the nuclear power and uh, how it could be used. Uh, any update on that? No, I mean, look, the Russians, if they haven't used it until now, it's very <laughs> unlikely they will, unless things get really out of control. I mean, would would Putin do that to, to hold on to office? I mean, I would say probably yes, because as we've seen around the world, it doesn't make a difference whether it's the United States or in Russia or in Israel or South Africa or you name it. Rulers do not give up their rule easily. No, they don't. Well, and uh, how about uh, the proposal that Ukraine join NATO? That was something that was coming up uh, just recently. That's so provocative. Right. Well, that was, look, the, the question is, um, eventually, I mean, eventually, I'm sure Ukraine will join NATO. It's an eventual sort of thing, but it's eventually after the war is over and there's some sort of peace. Mm -hmm. There's no reason why Ukraine shouldn't join NATO. It'll be a democracy and it'll be a very effective war-making machine, so NATO would certainly welcome them. Uh, you know, the odd thing or the sad thing from the Russian standpoint is, you know, they claim they were going to war to protect themselves from NATO expansion, which wasn't being planned. What was the result of, of going to war? They ended up with Finland, who was neutral, joining NATO. Sweden about to join NATO as soon as it can get to some issues w with Turkey. Whether the countries of Europe are doing enough, they're doing many times more than they were doing until now in terms of, uh, in terms of armaments and rearming and spending money on defense. And the really interesting thing I read recently is there's actually a committee that has the power to say to a different country and say, no, don't, they told Denmark, for instance, stop spending so much money on submarines. We don't need more submarines. We need whatever else it is. So they turned to the Canadians and said, we need more airlift capability. We need you to buy more airlift aircraft. Mm -hmm. uh, and literally acting in a, in a way that in concert, and later was really come back to life without a shadow of a doubt. And the more interesting things also is that the, doctrine of NATO until this war was that the American troops would be there as a tripwire, but uh, they wouldn't defend every square foot or of, of Europe when they were attacked, and they'd have to bring, back, bring troops in from America and from wherever else, and then they would counterattack and take back the territory from, from the Russians who had attacked. Mm -hmm. But after seeing what the Russians did in the towns that they conquered in Ukraine, all these countries, Poland, Lithuania, Estonia, all these relatively new members of NATO are saying, no, 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 we're not willing to give up an inch, and we're going with forward defense up to the border. Mm. And they're doing that with the support of NATO at this point, but it changes the whole doctrine of um, the sort of warfare we'd expect and also requires a larger number of troops yeah. um, in those countries. So interesting. Ukraine's uh, known as the breadbasket of the world in some senses because of all the grain it produces. And yet, uh, I think Russia now has uh, threatened to disrupt uh, delivery of grain around the world. Any comments? Well, they keep on trying to do that. There is this agreement to allow the, the grain to go. And last time the Russians gave in, um, will they do it? So far, they're allowing it to go because they're also making money from it as well. Mm -hmm. um, and they really don't want to turn, you know, they're trying to get some fringes from Africa and other places, and so the last thing that these countries want is to be turned, you know, cut off from, from grain, which they need to feed their people. So I think they're going ahead with it for practical reasons at this point, allowing the Ukrainian grain to be exported. They have until now, so I suspect that will continue. All right. Thank you, Mark. And finally, uh, China seems to be in the background of almost everything that's going on and it's kind of meddling in all kinds of world's affairs, both in, in Russia, you know, South America, Africa, you name it. Any comments? Well, look, they're an expansionist power at this point. Uh, like I've said, I think we're overestimating them economically, but maybe we're not. I mean, I don't know. Uh, they clearly want to be felt wherever they can, and they've certainly been involved in Africa and South America in terms of financing projects and then when the countries can't afford it, they come back and force to, you know, do, do collection, shall we say, yeah. and against some of these countries. Um, so, uh, you know, look, we'll see a continued uh, more active China throughout the world, 
the question is they're also having a hard time domestically and um, maintaining their control. The latest thing today was um, they came out with rules relating to chatbots, you know, chat GPT, etc. Uh-huh. So these chatbots that operate in Canada have to maintain the communist line, shall we, the communist government line on a whole bunch of subjects. So good luck with that one. Yeah. Um, well, well, they, it we'll is. Have a, it, we'll have a Mao chatbot soon, you know. It is warfare on a number of fronts uh, when it comes to China, for sure. Really, uh, and to your point, they are an expansionist power, and they intend to continue to expand. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, a website that is good for kids of all ages, including you and I. I hope you'll check out HistoryCentral.com. Mark, I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Larry Reed. Larry is the president emeritus of a terrific organization. It's the Foundation for Economic Education. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can download the app and find out more by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. Also, we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Uh, Larry, tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are a nonprofit foundation headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia, and our focus is on educating and inspiring young people of high school and college age in ideas of individual liberty, free markets, and free enterprise, limited government, and personal character. We do that through our website, feefee.org, where you can see daily fresh commentary and free videos and online courses and other things, as well as in uh, programs that we put on in person on campuses and at schools all over the country and sometimes abroad. And Larry, you know, uh, you wrote a terrific column. Most people think that uh, the socialists, that uh, the Scandinavian countries are... uh, highly influenced by socialism and, and, and practice socialism and uh, held out as models for the United States and how they could move their society to more peaceful and so forth. Uh, but that's 
somewhat out of date, isn't it? Oh, yes. It's at least four decades out of date. <clears throat> Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are two U.S. senators who constantly uh, make this argument. Uh, they don't go very deeply into it. They simply say, well, socialism works there, so uh, we need to adopt it here. But in fact, uh, the Scandinavian countries are more broadly the Nordic countries. When you broaden that to Nordic, you're including Finland and Iceland, mm -hmm. along with Denmark, Sweden, <clears throat> and Norway. Uh, you'll find that uh, they had a welfare state-style socialism with uh, generous welfare payments and high taxes and centrally planned economies um, at the middle part of the last century. But uh, as I point out in the article with a lot of quotes from uh, Scandinavians themselves, they tried it and it failed. Uh, it nearly bankrupted them. And in the years since, they have moved dramatically uh, to scale back their welfare states scale back the size of their governments. And now uh, all of those countries on the index of economic freedom are among the freest and most capitalist countries in the world. Examples, I, 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 this may be apocryphal, so maybe you could comment, but uh, the Volvo once was held and owned by the state and then they uh, uh, basically privatized Volvo, I'm talking about Sweden, and now I believe it's a, a, a Chinese-owned company. Uh, now, I'm not sure about the Chinese part, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, in fact, that's the case. Yeah. And, you know, there might be two ways of looking <clears throat> at that, whether it's good or bad, but it is certainly a, a testimony to the fact that the uh, economies of Scandinavia are fully globalized. They don't protect themselves from foreign competition or investment. Uh, they are open economies with low tariff rates and lots of... Uh, 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 international uh, exchange with other countries. So they look a lot more capitalist than they do socialist. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on, on the metrics of freedom and uh, free commerce and so forth. Yeah, I think there's a couple of studies, one from the Heritage Foundation, one from the uh, Fraser Institute, <clears throat> about uh, measuring uh, freedom in different countries and, and how we measure up compared to, for example, Sweden and Denmark and others. Yes, uh, these are excellent indexes. The two that I refer to most often are from the Heritage Foundation. It's called the uh, uh, Index of Economic Freedom. And the other one is the uh, Economic Freedom of the World Index from the Fraser Institute, which is in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, they have slightly different methodologies, so their rankings of the countries of the world aren't exactly the same. But they are broadly similar. Mm -hmm. They try to measure uh, how free or capitalist an economy is uh, and um, uh, with other countries. And the United States has fallen dramatically. We used to be in the top 10 of both of those indexes, but now we're number 25 uh, in one and uh, somewhere in that vicinity in the other. Uh, whereas uh, the, the Scandinavian countries that we're talking about, they're actually ahead of us. They're freer than we are, according to those two indexes. I would imagine uh, listeners to this show uh, understand why that's all happening right now. I mean, we could certainly yeah. take a page out of uh, the book of these countries and uh, understand that we've tried something that just hasn't worked, and we could go back and get on, get on the, uh, the path towards uh, capitalism and free markets. Well, I certainly hope so, and it's notable that um, uh, Sweden has a 100% nationwide uh, school choice program for schooling, uh, wow. much freer than we have here, and that none of the Scandinavian countries has a nationally imposed minimum wage law, uh, and that they have lower corporate income tax rates than the United States. It's just amazing indeed. So, uh, I mean, let's you think about Sweden during the pandemic. They decided not to implement mass, uh, onerous uh, shutdowns, lockdowns, uh, vaccine mandates, so forth. And uh, they got through it just fine and with no worse results than other countries that uh, went through these uh, terrible uh, uh, mandates. Absolutely. And that's a, an amazing fact <clears throat> that... Uh, your listeners can learn more about it at fee.org just by typing the word in, uh, into the search engine Sweden or Sweden pandemic. You'll find that they did quite well, and that's the reason they took a lot of heat from the lockdown crowd, because they didn't want to go that route, and they uh, came through it just fine. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're on the – you actually cite that we're uh, kind of – 
Well, you had a couple of quotes at the end of the column here. Let me see, find them down here. Uh, one is, uh, I have my own way of expressing the same truth. The only thing socialism does for poor people is give them lots of company. I love that <laughs> one. <laughs> That's very good. And then also, uh, yeah, they had another quote here. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, of course, Margaret Thatcher's great, uh, great quote. Maybe you can tell us about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, Margaret Thatcher uh, was critical of socialism from many angles, but she said uh, in one poignant moment that eventually the socialists run out of other people's money. And that's so true. And uh, you know, socialism has no theory of wealth creation, simply uh, uh, schemes for wealth redistribution. They think wealth is just sort of hanging there like fruit on the tree, and they can come and just pick it, take it, and redistribute it. But they don't seem to care that uh, that process ends up ultimately killing the tree. Yeah, and actually, it's it's a it's a political ploy. It's the you know spread the spread the wealth, spread it out for uh, for all the people, destroy the economy, and by the time that 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 all happens, people are out of office and <laughs> counting the yeah. riches. So so and the so. rest of us are equal in misery. <laughs> exactly, Larry Reed again, President Emeritus of the Foundation for economic education. I encourage you to visit the very robust website and also introduce it to kids of high school and college age, fee.org, F-E-E.org. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting uh, with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several books. Right now, I'd like to remind you that uh, Wednesday through Saturday, at uh, from 4 to 8 p.m., Lulabee's Diner, known for its great breakfasts and lunches, is serving dinner, and uh, it is just absolutely terrific. They have a terrific chef, and I had the grouper the other night. It is just absolutely found fantastic. So if you want a nice casual meal, no reservation required, just go down to Lulabee's Diner at the Green Tree Shopping Center and have a great, great dinner. Uh, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. at Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up again, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round, Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And Morning After Grace is coming up. Carrie Grimm's great play 
uh, running from April the 27th to May the 14th, and you can find out more and get tickets by visiting uh, the very robust website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several great murder mysteries. The first is uh, Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, its sequel, uh, let's see. Well, oh, yeah. Shake the one. Oh, no problem. That's nope. No problem. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I, except my memory. <laughs> Jim, Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, uh, your memory is at the crux of what I'm thinking about today. Um, you know, the president on Tuesday uh. will announce via taped statement, not a live statement, that he's going to run again for president. And we all have doubts about his intellectual ability. So we know that the decisions are being made in the White House, but by whom? Mm-hmm. And it has me thinking, uh, back in 1972, a great journalist named uh, David Halberston wrote a book called The Best and the Brightest. And it was about Kennedy's team inherited by Lyndon Johnson of academics and intellects who were who were coined uh, as the whiz kids who were advising the president especially uh, a lot of them were from the Rand Corporation uh, a fellow named Bob McNamara who became Secretary of Defense oh, yeah. advising him on, on Vietnam and the total fiasco <laughs> that, that was the result of of their combined wisdom so you know that Joe Biden doesn't have the intellectual ability to make a rational decision. Who is making these decisions for him? And quite, it, it's almost like a state secret. And the press, which should be on top of this, only gives us uh, hints. Like, like today in the Washington Post, there's a story uh, about the uh, looming uh, debt crisis. And, and their source is a person who is familiar with thinking within the White House. You know, so they're part of the cover-up. Yeah. You know, Jim, to me, if they were to write a book about the Biden administration, it wouldn't be titled The Best and the Brightest. <laughs> this, uh, you know, we just, in our previous guest, we talked a little bit about socialism and how Scandinavian and Nordic countries are not uh, socialist, but they made, you know, made a good try at it, and they actually have gone to more free market and now are considered... Uh, more free than the United States in terms of the metrics of uh, the Hoover, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Heritage Foundation and so forth. Uh, so, I mean, we're going in the wrong direction, and it's, and we should know who's making these decisions, by the way. We should. You know, it's interesting. Uh, the New York Times this weekend wrote an editorial urging Biden not to run, uh-huh. uh, saying you're too old, uh-huh. you know, and you have problems. And you should not run for president. You're being selfish. You know, so, the um, of course today uh, they're they're trumpeting his announcement. But the New York Times has also been hammering relentlessly at your governor Ron DeSantis, uh, painting a portrait of DeSantis for their readers of. Uh, DeSantis as uh, in the ugliest light, as a, as a mean, uh, dictatorial, yeah. uh, vengeful chief executive. Yeah, book so, burning, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so, so the thinking on the Democratic side is that in another head-to-head matchup, Biden versus Trump, uh, the voters once again hold their collective noses and vote for Biden. Um, and they are very frightened that DeSantis might actually become the nominee because uh-huh. he's he's younger, he uh, he's done well. I guess he's done well in Florida. You have to tell me if he's done well. Well, but, you know, you know, if you think uh, think about it, most of this uh, state legislature has nomin has a, uh, endorsed Trump here and so this that kind of is smacks and it goes in the face of uh, what might be what you're suggesting is that he's uh, supported by people in florida i mean i think he definitely is supported by people in florida my opinion is that most people say yeah we'd love to have him as president in 2028 oh 
it's funny. He gave a speech to Republicans in Utah this weekend, uh-huh. which you can watch, uh, you know, on, on uh, YouTube. And he says, you know, he, he narrowly won the election in Florida in 2018. He right. won by 32,000 votes. Right. Um, uh, but he says uh, that he governs by um, conviction, not by polls. Yeah. And this... And he says he's surrounded, when we talk about the best of and the brightest, he said it's important to have a cadre, a government, a cadre that shares your embrace of con- conservative ideas, in his case. So um, it's interesting that he's talking about the, the best and the brightest in his circle as being on the same channel as he is. So he's he seems to be preparing for a run and and thinking about the same thing I'm thinking like mm. who's actually running the country right now because the president just doesn't have the wherewithal to be in charge yeah well you know Jim <clears throat> uh, right now we have a supermajority and I say we the conservatives in both the House and the Senate in Florida so I think one thing is clear. When you take a look at what's happening in Florida, it's about policy. It's not about politics. And so as a consequence, we're seeing more and more good decisions made about everything from uh, parents' rights to teachers' rights to uh, 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 teaching uh, sex education in uh, school. And you can just go down the list. I mean, the decisions, there's just really – and we're seeing an expansion of school choice here in uh, Florida as well. That's because the focus is on is on policy, and that's uh, no matter how they feel about DeSantis as a presidential candidate, uh, they like they support the policies that uh, that he uh, promotes. So it's going to be a really intellect- interesting year. You know, I'm, I'm going to adhere, by the way, uh, to the go away in May. Uh, so old saw mm-hmm. regarding the stock market because we have this debt ceiling uh, debate coming up. Um, we don't know that the Republicans can get enough votes to uh, pass Kevin McCarthy's uh, bill that would require, you know, Biden to make substantial cuts before there's a debt ceiling agreement. But be that as it may, I've been through these fights before, and I, you know, I don't care who is right and who is wrong. It never does the Republican Party a bit of good. It's really stupid. Uh, it won't set them back forever. I mean, the public uh, has a short memory. But the Republican popularity will dip uh, significantly during this uh, battle. Just mark my wow. words. Yeah, to, so, me, it, to me, it's absurd that uh, Republicans would not get behind McCarthy and have a bill that would uh, give them the upper hand in terms of the negotiations for uh, the debt ceiling. Yeah, it's a, it's a game of chicken. It always has been a game of chicken. And it's just important for the Republicans not to get carried away and actually cause a a default. So, yeah. you know, I mean, Newt Gingrich learned that lesson. Uh, so that would make it tougher for Republicans uh, in the presidential election. Um, is Trump going to be the nominee? I mean, these polls are so confusing. confusing. In a primary, it seems like he beats DeSantis. Uh, but in a presidential race, DeSantis slaughters Biden. <laughs> so it's, uh, um, I think, the body politic relying on polls at, with a minimum of, of, you know, because we know how wrong they can be. Yeah. I think it they accurately re- re- reflect that at this juncture, the voting <laughs> populace is a very uneasy and confused. I mean, the, uh, yeah. everybody dislikes Biden. That's a, that's a given. Well, the, the, and I also, I think there's only one guy that can't be bought or sold. The one guy that can lead us out of this malaise is Donald Trump. So I certainly support <laughs> Donald Trump, and I understand. <laughs> okay, well, excuse me for laughing because my <laughs> nickname for Donald Trump is President Line My Pockets. Uh, you know, I think I I think he's a grifter. Oh. And I think another conversation. Let's have that next week. Jim, Jim McTigg, again, a former former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Get his latest book, uh, No Problem, uh, a Great Murder Mystery. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We had uh, great guests lined up for you tomorrow as well, uh, which, of course, would include Kathleen Pasadena, our state uh, Senate president, and um, others as well. I always appreciate hearing from you. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. I think they'll enjoy it, and uh, that certainly supports our advertisers. We couldn't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>